0: Claim this discount by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join PhotographyCourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Have you ever been interested in taking meaningful and eye-catching self-portraits? If so, our self-portrait of photography indoors on a budget course is perfect for you. I'm actually the instructor, and I'll be teaching you how to take really beautiful photographs of yourself indoors without investing in any other equipment. These lessons are all about making the most of what you have, experienced or not, and telling an authentic story. There are 30 video lessons that include quizzes, the community of photographers, random surprises, and much more. This is an incredible opportunity for you to improve your self-portrait photography skills and to impress everyone around you. I have a very special discount code just for our podcast listeners. We're offering a 50% discount code just for you. Use this code to claim your discount, Portrait50. Hello, everyone. My name is Taya, and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to Serena Zenis an incredibly talented architecture, travel, and landscape photographer based in Iceland. Serena used to be a mental health professional, but she eventually quit her job to become a photographer. We talk about that transition, what it was like for her to start taking photos at the age of nine, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi Serena, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi Taya, thanks
1: for having me, Uh, my name is Serena Zenis. I am a professional photographer. I love exploring the ways in which we interact with everything that is around us, so I kind of focus on details that can spark the imagination um, and really drive us to ask questions about what's important to us in our lives. So all of my work kind of focuses on that. I like kind of highlighting the otherworldliness um, of our own planet and how we look at the natural elements and the impacts that humans have had on our planet. I'm probably best described as a landscape or a nature photographer, uh, but for me, nature has a bit of a different meaning. I kind of consider everything on Earth to be a part of our natural world. So that includes the social landscapes that we inhabit. Um, and I do everything from landscape to architecture, fungi, documentary and music photography. So I've been a professional phot- photographer since I was 17. So that's been around 20 years now. Um, and I've been full time for the past five years. I'm originally from Australia, uh, where I lived in Eltham. It's a historic township. It's, it's kind of the gateway to the vineyards of the Yarra Valley. And it's a place that's inspired a lot of artists through time, um, and that includes me. So I'm currently based in Iceland, and even though I live on the other side of the world, Australia is always going to be my home. So a few years ago, I moved from Australia to Germany, the Netherlands, and then finally to Iceland. Um, And since I've been living in Iceland, I've been able to share my love for photography and nature with other people uh, by running photo tours out in the field. Um, I also spend a lot of time writing and speaking about photography, um, and I contribute a lot of educational articles to online publications and in print as well. Um, So I do workshops, presentations, and also conferences uh, in person and online. So I've been pretty lucky in the sense that I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of amazing organisations, lots of companies and brands throughout my whole career so far. Um, So I've worked with Tourism Greenland, Sony Asia Pacific, um, PhotoPills and a lot more than that as well. So right before the pandemic started, um, I was really fortunate to be part of the jury for the Photo Nature Photography Competition. That was like a a dream of mine and I was able to present my work at a festival in Spain and I really, really enjoyed that. So hopefully that's something that I'll be able to continue doing uh, once the pandemic is kind of under control.
0: That sounds really exciting and thank you for such a beautiful and thoughtful introduction. I remember when I first came across your work, thanks to Victoria Hawke's recommendation, I looked at your pictures and I thought, how could they have been taken on this planet? (laughs) They are so surreal. And it really just shows that you think everything through. I mean, everything is carefully edited. I saw behind the scenes uh, editing video of yours on Instagram and just the, Mm -hmm. the effort and the care and the thought that you put into each image is just mind blowing. And yeah, I just appreciate your style. It's very unique. And I look forward to finding out more about you and your work in this conversation thank you I I think that's um, a really big thing
1: about us that we don't really notice what's around us a lot of the time even though we live on this planet Um, and so a lot of things that are in our natural world can look really surreal sometimes Um, I think that's why people are so in awe of nature photography um, and landscape photography in general Um, but also i think things like architecture things that we've built as humans um, can sometimes really look out of this world um, because we're not used to seeing things out of context um, and we're not used to seeing things in different parts of the world where we might not be exposed to them a lot of the time
0: that's right yeah that's a good perspective and if you photograph The building a certain way, as you said, if it's out of context, then it can really just catch someone off guard and make them think a different way. I think that's the power of photography. Yeah, definitely. What camera equipment do you use? Um,
1: So I've been using Canon cameras for almost 25 years. (laughs) That makes me sound really old. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I started on film at first um, and then I transitioned into digital. So when I first came to Iceland, um, I was using a Canon 5D Mark III and I had an accident where I drowned it in some salt water. Mm. Um, (laughs) At the time, there was only one full-frame Canon DSLR camera in stock Um, at the shop in town which was the closest camera store Um, and that was a Canon 5DSR so I had no other choice but to buy it Um, and luckily for me it's it's an incredible little camera it's it's been my workhorse ever since so at the moment I shoot with a Canon 5DSR and a range of different lenses most of them are Canon lenses but I do have a couple that aren't um, for landscape photography, I use uh, the Canon 16 to 35mm, 24 to 70, and 70 to 200 uh, For fungi photography, I use a Tamron 90mm macro lens, um, and I use that in tandem with a macro focusing rail by NovaFlex. Um, for architecture photography, I use a Canon 70 to 200mm. And when I'm just walking around during the day, I use a 50mm Prime. Um, and in the evenings and at night, I prefer to use an 85 millimeter
0: prime. That's yes. a great and impressive uh, list of equipment, but <laughs> I keep thinking about that poor camera that drowned. How did you feel? I mean, <laughs> it must have been devastating.
1: <laughs> it was. It, so I had been using, I had two Canon 5D Mark IIIs mm-hmm. uh, for music photography. And I used, them, I used to use them both at the same time with different lenses attached because there wasn't time to switch lenses. So I brought one with me to Iceland. That was the one that I drowned in salt water. And I actually sold the other one to fund my trip. So I only had that one camera left. Um, and it was absolutely devastating to drown it. I tried to dry it out with rice and kitty litter. Um, but none of that works with salt. Basically, the whole thing was fried. Um, and so it was kind of very anxiety-provoking to realise that there was only one professional-grade camera <laughs> that was available and that I hadn't done any reading of the pros and cons of it. I didn't know if it was a good one. So I just had to kind of go with it. That That was really scary, but I'm glad that it worked out.
0: Yeah, you had to, you were forced to leave your comfort zone because of that. Yeah. But then it turned out for the best, which is so interesting. It really proves that sometimes we have to leave our comfort zones. I mean, it doesn't mean you need to drown your camera in saltwater. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's go back to the beginning because you started taking photographs when you were nine years old, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. That's so incredibly young. How did you feel when you were first given your, when you're given your first camera? Was it love at first sight? And just how was that whole process like? I'm so interested to know. So it's kind of, um, a funny story.
1: So my first camera was actually a Kodak disposable. Um, it had color film in it and my mom actually gave it to me to take along on my grade three school camp. Uh Back then, we only ever used disposable cameras for special occasions. We didn't have much money, so it was kind of a pretty big deal that she gave me one. Um, I was so excited about it, and it felt like I was really being trusted with this huge thing. Uh, It had 24 exposures, and that was the amount that I had to document the entire three-day trip. So I took pictures of my friends. I pretty much documented from the start of the camp to the end of the camp. Um, On the second evening of the camp, we went to Phillip Island. So that's a small island in the south of Victoria, Australia. Um, And it's pretty well known for spectacular landscapes and wildlife. And every night there's this show called the Penguin Parade, Uh, Phillip Island is actually home to the largest little penguin colony in the world. Mm -hmm. So penguins come up from the ocean and they start waddling to their burrows at nighttime. And this was around 28 years ago now, I think, 25, 26, 27, I'm not sure. Um, So back then there weren't any viewing platforms. There weren't any boardwalks. You could get really close to them. Um, the only thing was that you couldn't uh, use your torch or the flash on your camera. So I took a bunch of pictures of penguins in the dark and when I got home from my camp and mum got the film developed, she was really disappointed um, because most of my shots were underexposed. Not just underexposed, they were just completely black frames. So I got in a lot of trouble And I wasn't allowed to have my own camera again for a while. And the reason was that mum said I didn't know how to use it, so it would just be a waste of money. So I actually saved my pocket money from then on. Um, And eventually I was able to buy a Sony Cybershot. From there I started shooting a lot on film um, and then I transitioned to an entry-level DSLR. So (laughs) it's, it's been a bit of a journey with my camera equipment.
0: That's a very interesting story. And what stood out the most to me was that you did not let your mom's disappointment get to you in a sense, like you kept on saving money and you bought your own camera later on, because I feel like some people, if somebody disapproved, especially a family member and told them that they didn't know how to take pictures, then they would just not stop taking pictures forever does that make sense
1: yeah it's, it's I guess I've always had a bit of a rebellious streak so anything my parents would say that I couldn't do I'd go ahead and do it <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's good you were resilient and persistent that's great that's yeah oh it must have been um, fulfilling when you saved up money for that camera and you know bought it on your own and you know how to say and what you did take pictures of and what you didn't take pictures of and yeah you had all
1: um, control there. <laughs> most definitely. but I think the one thing that you realise when you start putting your own money into cameras is that every single camera has its limitations. Mm-hmm. And it was so disappointing for me to kind of realise these limitations with the first camera that I invested in, and that like it didn't take long to learn how to use it and then kind of reach that stage where it was time to progress to the next camera. And so there was a lot of money saving involved <laughs> and I had to take on a lot of side jobs while I was still working at school. So, yeah, it's, it's been difficult. Um, but it's it's really led me to appreciate technology a lot more, the advancements that we've made um, over time and, and also the value um, of money that we save and put into this kind of gear.
0: That's right. Yeah. And thankfully, today, there are so many options to choose from. And even budget-friendly cameras are really good. And you can use them to take stunning pictures. So that's uh, great news for everybody involved, I think. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. uh, You established your photography business when you were 17, which again, very, very young. What was that experience like? (laughs) so I
1: started uh university a lot younger than most people because I skipped a year level during high school so I was kind of thrown into a really adult world at an age when I probably wasn't ready for it um so I was 17 I kind of felt like I knew that there was knew everything that there was to know about the world in reality I didn't know a fraction of anything so I started going to a lot of raves live gigs and I was just taking my camera along Um, and eventually I started taking photos at the events for the clubs and the bands that were performing at them Um, and I had a lot of social anxiety at that age so it was kind of my way of working through it and at first I was just getting work through word of mouth from band to band and venue to venue my space was just developing at the time. And there was a huge music focus on the platform. So I would send out all these cold messages to bands um, that I wanted to shoot and ask if I could get put on the door list. And I'd say, I'll I'll do it um, for free initially. But any pictures that I take, I can sell to you as a package, which you can use for promotional and other purposes. So that was kind of how I set it up. Um, and I was getting a lot of gigs that way. So eventually I crossed paths with another photographer um, in the photo pit and she was working for a publication, a music publication, and she encouraged me to apply for it as well. So I applied and I landed a role as a regular freelancer which then expanded to work with other publications. Um, Eventually, I started working as the in-house photographer for one of the nightclubs in the city as well. And all of these publications would ask for a certain quota of social images. um, And that was something that I found really difficult, but it was also something that was really fun for me to do in a sense, um, because it helped with my social anxiety. So I, I started learning that... I could approach anyone and ask to take their photograph and if they said no, that it wasn't a rejection of me um, or my ability, it was just that they didn't want to have their photograph taken. So that was something that I could apply to street photography as well, um, which was really uh, interesting for me in that sense. Um, And then I was able to improve my photography because I was feeling more confident And eventually, I didn't need to reach out for gigs or shows anymore. People were kind of contacting me directly, sending me out on jobs, uh, freelance jobs. And I was shooting most nights while I was going to university during the day. Um, That continued until I finished university and began working in mental health. Um, So I was shooting at the same time as working um, on, on a crisis assessment and treatment team. And eventually, uh, it kind of got to the point where I wasn't getting very much sleep. Um, I was dealing with a lot of stress from juggling both of these jobs. I was basically running my photography business any that I could during my time off in the evenings, on the weekends. So I had to drop back my hours um, on the crisis team. And it, I still felt like uh, it wasn't, really working and I felt like I needed a bit of an escape. Um, So five years ago I retired from mental health and I started working full-time as a photographer um, and I moved overseas to pursue that work a bit more readily.
0: Again, very beautiful story, very interesting and I love how much change you've gone through as a photographer because sometimes we are so used to being in a comfort zone, especially if we do earn enough money or if we feel comfortable and we are afraid of change. But you, in some cases, have been forced to change or you've changed on your own. And I find that very courageous and very inspiring.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's two sides to it. So as a mental health clinician in Australia, you do make uh, quite a bit of money. Um, and so that initially helped to pay for a lot of my gear and and a lot of my work Um, And when I made the transition to a full-time photographer, it was really difficult. I I was accepting any job that came my way. There were times when I thought that I might not have another job coming in. Um, And and in that sense, it's been stressful, um, kind of wondering where your income is going to come from next so now you know i'm I'm playing the role of a struggling artist <laughs> it's it's a very different lifestyle and and it's it's hard to make it work but i think it's if it's something that you really want to pursue then you know you have no choice but to pursue it and try and make
0: it work and happen the way that you want it to and that's right because at the end of the day if you love what you do that is what matters and of course the financial aspect of things matters and Mm. everything else matters too but if you are not happy with your job and you feel drained you're not going to feel inspired to do anything else in your life so I, I think if you compare the two it's better to be a struggling artist exactly <laughs> than someone who's really depressed uh, with your job but yeah as uh, you know you worked in the mental health uh fields and you were a mental health clinician as you said a lot of photographers do struggle with mental health and just people in general, as you know. But I'm yeah. wondering if you have any advice for photographers who just struggle with mental health and want to express themselves creatively but feel like they can't, or something is in the way. I know that's a this is a very broad question, but are there any tips you would give to those people? I think a lot of people in general um, suffer from.
1: Problems with mental health. And I think it's gotten worse a lot more now that we're in this pandemic. Um, For me, photography has always been a way to express myself. And I think when you're able to express yourself, you can learn more about who you are as a person um, and kind of understand the significance that you hold in life and the difference that you can make in this world. And I think if you're able to find an avenue to express yourself um, then you can fulfill those sorts of things so whether that's photography or it's art you, you just have to find something that you enjoy doing um, and if you are a photographer you just need to find that little niche um, of photography that will inspire you to express yourself.
0: Our 365 Days of Photography course is an amazing opportunity for you to grow as a photographer. My teammate, Kevin LJ has produced this course in a step-by-step format, which is very easy to follow. The course is presented in bite-sized lessons, each with a practical challenge. You'll learn and practice a new aspect of photography every single day. Each lesson is around five minutes long, and you can spend as much time on the challenges as you like. There's also a friendly forum where you can share the photos you take and get constructive feedback from others in the course. Kevin's professional photography experience is extensive. He covers not only photography essentials, but also many genres of photography throughout the course. You will learn far more about photography than simply how to use your camera. For our listeners, we're offering a very special discounted price of $199. The final price will soon be $365, so make sure to take advantage of this great deal today. Hmm, That's a good answer, yeah. If you have something to lean on, especially in the creative side of things, then it makes life so much easier to handle, especially if you're going through a hard time.
1: Yeah, and some of the uh, mental health clients that I've worked with, they are the most creative people that I've ever met. And I sometimes wonder whether mental illness mental health is actually tied in with creativity so it's it's very interesting i mean a lot of historical figures have had problems with mental health um, and have also been incredible
0: artists so yes it's it's interesting to think about yeah it is an interesting connection and yeah something to think about for sure and i'm also curious to know a lot of people blame social media for mental health issues or they feel like it aggravates mental health issues Do you have, what's your take on social media in general and mental health? I think social media is really bad for mental
1: health. And I think it's important to realise that it's not the only way that you can have your work seen as a photographer. It's also important to separate yourself from it um, at certain points as well. Um, I think every now and then it's good to have a rest to not look at the social media, not be bombarded by those images and messages that people are putting out there because it can affect your creativity. You might find yourself copying what you've seen um, and and really not looking for your own style um, or your own creativity within yourself. So in one aspect I think social media is bad for us, but I think it's also great for connecting um, with other people, um, and also to to be inspired to to see how we can create differently um, and and to put that into your own work sometimes.
0: yeah I completely agree with you. Yeah, there are two sides to most situations. There are pros and cons in every situation. So yeah, I completely agree with you. And in my opinion, it's all about understanding how to set boundaries and what kind of boundaries will work for you, because too much of anything is obviously not good for anyone. So, mm, Exactly. You've juggled many roles in your life, including those of a food critic, an actor, a music photographer, as you mentioned earlier, and much more. Which of your jobs has had the most impact on you creatively? Um,
1: I think I've always been creative ever since I was a kid. I spent a lot of time reading, writing, and drawing Um, And I think that my creativity has actually fueled my drive to seek out those roles rather than the roles themselves having an impact on my creativity, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I really enjoy food and cooking. So I really took to working as a food critic in a huge way. Um, And the opportunity to be able to describe my experience of food was one that, it was kind of like eating. It it was incredibly satiating. Um, And in the process, I learned a lot about food photography so that I could contribute images with my articles. Mm -hmm. So I think that having creativity to begin with can help you a lot. Um, And in terms of my type of creativity, I think that having the ability to work both as a writer and as a photographer can be really valued. Um, In media, and if you can channel your creativity through both, then you have a really good chance of being successful.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting. I really, you you talked about being a food critic and you know being able to take food photographs for those reviews and those articles. And now I want to be a food critic to be honest. Yeah,
1: it it was a very uh, lucrative kind of gig. It got to the point where I was being invited to these restaurants and events for almost three meals a day Um, Mm -hmm. and I I was getting really overweight I was getting really unhealthy Mm -hmm. Um, and the point where I had to stop was when I covered a beer festival Um, and I ended up drinking beer for breakfast lunch and dinner and and that was for a whole week Uh, and I actually felt really sick after that Um, so I had to stop at that point um, and have a look at how this was actually impacting my life as well.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I didn't think of it from that perspective. I was like, I just want to eat food, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I understand why that would be unhealthy, of course. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, It was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. And all of those past jobs, you know, acting, food critic, uh, music photographer, everything – they all gave you experience, and they made you who you are right now. So it's uh, must be very interesting for you to have had this life already at a young age. You have exactly. some things to write about. Yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, when when I was in
1: high school, they used to tell us that. We were the generation that would go through a lot of careers and never be tied down to the one career. Mm. And I used to think that's not true. How dare they talk about us like that? Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it's kind of run true now, now that I look back on my life and all the different things that I've done. And yeah, I think um, it's, it's been an interesting journey and it has shaped my creativity a lot um and without all that experience i i don't think that my photography would have developed um the way
0: that it has yeah i agree with you i mean i've also have different interests in my life that aren't related to photography and i've been through things that have nothing to do with photography but they've all affected my photography and affected the way that i write and just the way i act as a person it's obvious but it's nice to think about it from time to time and be like okay i have all these Unique set of skills that nobody else has, you know, all these collective experiences. It's, you know, it's nice that everyone has their own little treasure chest of unique experiences. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I really love the way that you edit your photographs. As I mentioned earlier at the beginning of this interview, you shared uh, quite recently a behind the scenes editing video on Instagram. The soft pastel colours and the surreal landscapes make it seem like you took photos on a different planet, as I said earlier. How has your editing style changed with time?
1: So, first of all, thank you, because um, I've always thought my editing was a bit terrible, really. (laughs) 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 So when I first started um, creating fine art photography, my editing was kind of really minimal, Um, and my focus was on bringing out the natural beauty of things. So I really wanted to allow what I was photographing to kind of tell its own story. But I think my editing kind of goes along the line of the concept that I want to demonstrate my connection with the planet that we live on, Um, and so I do that through my editing, and my editing is kind of always evolving, and it differs according to the subject's, um, that I've photographed and the collections on which I'm working. So, for example, my fungi photography, it's really dark and atmospheric. Um, and that's because I want to create a sense of enchantment um, that goes along with the discovery of something in the dampness of the forest underneath your feet. Um, and I really think that, you know, having light and bright pastels might not really work in that sense So the photograph that you saw um, and the the behind-the-scenes video, that's actually from my new collection, um, which is focused on futuristic architecture. Um, So I have been using a lot of pastels um, and synthwave or retrowave colour palettes for it. Um, The project itself is called 2021 Plus or Minus 2 Utopia Broadcasting um, and the title pays homage to the oldest settlement in Reykjavik. So it's said to have been founded in the year 871 plus or minus two years. So I kind of took that um, Mm -hmm. and decided that it might be something that I could use in the title for this project Um, because I started this project at the beginning of the pandemic um, and I really kind of started moving forward with it this year. So 2021 plus or minus two kind of seemed really fitting And the Utopia Broadcasting series itself is about who we are as humans, the things that we construct, our curiosity, um, our consumerism, and science. So I really wanted to create a sense of surrealism to kind of transport the viewer's imagination to another world that exists outside of time. So I wanted to present a different outlook of these industrial buildings that are here in Reykjavik and they seem kind of out of place in Icelandic nature Um, and I think that by making them seem futuristic um, using these colour palettes in my editing um, it's really invoked a lot of introspection in my audience um, and a lot of conversation about futurism. And human ideals as well. And something that I find really interesting is that I get a lot of comments from people saying things like, this is really beautiful, but I never thought I'd be saying this about a factory um, or (laughs) industrial building. And I think the thing is, these buildings are real life, tangible structures, and they represent the dreams that we have as the human race they're the product of science, they're part of our evolution um, and they're part of our constant struggle to have better things. So they are beautiful in a way. Um, And I think that when you take pictures of these buildings, you really see how we've risen as um, a race and how we're kind of leading to our own demise as well. And like I said earlier, we we don't often take the time out to look at our surroundings properly. So these buildings are sort of beautiful, but we don't look at them in that way. So I'm really enjoying my editing style for this particular project. um, And I'm really looking forward to developing it as well. Um and someone actually, a 3D artist messaged me the other day um, and he asked me what 3D modeling program I was using. And <laughs> he was really surprised and I said it's actually photography. Um and he said it looks so much like CGI. And I'd actually been thinking recently that CGI looks so real these days and it's hard to tell like what is 3D rendering versus real life. So I'm really enjoying treading that line in between right now, kind of making my photographs look surreal um, in a realistic way, a hyper realistic way.
0: Right. I mean, for all we know, you could secretly be a CGI artist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd love to be. I, I would love to learn, but it's, it seems really difficult. It seems like it would be very time consuming.
0: I think so. Yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> But I like what you said about architectural photography because I. I haven't really photographed that many buildings in my life and I haven't thought of them in that way, which it's just very interesting to think of it as, you know, obviously every building that's been built, a lot of effort has been put into that, a lot of time and care and people have thought it through very carefully for it to be safe. And so to photograph that is like paying homage to that and to respecting that hard work. And as you said, analyzing how people think in this day and age, That's a very interesting perspective. Thank you for sharing that. I've never thought of it that way. And now I understand why architectural photography is so appealing. Thanks to you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. What is something that you're really enjoying about photography right now that you want your future self to remember? I'd say it's
1: being able to tell stories and to kind of make an impact on the way that people think about and see the planet that we live on Mm -hmm. I think it's one thing to see the dramatic beauty of landscapes but it's really another thing to start pondering your own existence I think a lot of people are unable to sit with existential questions so with my latest project I've been asking a lot of existential questions and a lot of people have said that they enjoy that And I think there's probably a balanced number of people who don't enjoy that as well. Um, And I think it makes people feel uncomfortable to think about our existence um, and what that means. So I've received a lot of fascinating answers from people um, about how they think about the world and, and how they exist within this world. So I think that, well, I hope that my future self will look back on this. Um, And realize the wisdom that I've gained from learning through other people in, in the questions that I've addressed with
0: my work. Yeah, I'm sure that your future self will appreciate this project because I think the beautiful thing about photography is, especially in your case, you're sharing your work, you're asking people questions, you're challenging them. And this opens up room for a lot of unusual conversations. So this gives you not just great photographs, but also great memories with people and it helps you bond with strangers. And I think that just collectively is incredible. So, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's very
1: yeah it, sure. I think it's um it's been very important, particularly now that, that, that most of us are at home, a, a lot of people are in lockdown um, because of the pandemic. And so there is a lot of time to think, and perhaps the way that we think about life has actually changed a lot. So I think it's important to have an avenue to discuss that and and to have a reason to discuss it, that you're not just you're sitting with these questions and answers yourself, but you have an image to go with it, something to think about. Um, and I think that's been really important for a lot of people. If if not, it's been really important for myself. So it's it's helped me a lot.
0: Yeah. It's great to be a part of a community that understands you and accepts your work, doesn't just look at your work, but reads what you share with your work and really analyzes your photography and takes the time to try to understand you. I think that would make anybody feel special. So it's definitely very important to be a part of a community, no matter whether it's photography or something else. It's important to feel involved and feel like you're a part of something. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, Serena, my last question for you is, what is the one thing that you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Well, I guess I've always used my photography as a way of
1: searching for answers within myself. So I hope that it inspires other people to find answers for themselves as well. Um, and that that will lead to some kind of positive change um, I think that if you can make an impact in this world in even a really small way, then that's enough. Um, and the camera, like I said before, is just a tool that you can use to express yourself. And I think that's a really important part of our journey through life. Each one of us needs to be able to express ourselves. Um, and when you express yourself, then you can understand more about yourself. And you can make even more of an impact on this world.
0: It's a very beautiful and thoughtful answer. And Serena, thank you so much for your time. I had so much fun finding out about your work. I mean, when I first saw it, I knew that you were a very thoughtful person. But just getting to know you and getting to find out a little bit more about the way that you think when you take pictures has given me a very clear idea of who you are as a person. So thank you for sharing your wisdom with the listeners. I wish you all the very best with your future photography projects. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Um, and You're a beautiful person to chat with. I've really enjoyed this. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I enjoyed it too. Thank you. <laughs> Great big photography world wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return, for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. Saria is so articulate and interesting. I had so much fun talking to her, and I hope that her story inspires you to take better care of your mental health and to pursue your passions fearlessly. See you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.